our grandkids are almost done school. Not the New York kids. They'll be gone for a month after the Texas and Oklahoma kids are. But I grew up in western New York, near the Pennsylvania border on Lake Erie. And some of the Pennsylvania kids, well, they all got done weeks before we did. Uh, because New York schools don't get done until like the end of June. I think I graduated June 26 or something like that. So they go longer. And the PA kids, they got done like the first week in June. And so they'd come over to New York and they'd harass us. They'd stand outside the school and wave to us and, you know, be doing all kinds of things. Well, when I was in elementary school, the school did what can't remember just exactly what it was called, but it was a day, it was a field day, they call it now. Uh, you could bring your pets, uh, you know, people would bring their dogs or their rabbits or cats or whatever, uh, and it was always fun, you know, you could win a prize for the cutest dog or whatever, and, you know, the dogs, there'd always be a dog fight for some kind. Uh, they had all kinds of games, uh, you know, where you toss the hoop over a bottle or um, break a balloon with a dart. Probably wouldn't be allowed to do that now. Um, but, you know, you had more cheap prizes that you could win. And uh, the kind of the highlight of the whole thing was they had this grease pole. It was a pole that was probably, I don't know, 12, 15 feet high. Maybe not that high, but it looked that high to me anyways. But it was up there pretty good and they would grease this thing down I mean they would put like a half an inch of grease on this thing all the way from the bottom to the top and all along the way there were uh, nickels and quarters and dimes and and all which you know at that time was a lot of money uh, and then on top there was like five dollars and so if you got to the top you know you got the five dollar bill and so there was always guys that would be trying, and you don't want to go first. You know, you wanted to be one of the the later ones because the ones that went earlier, they'd get some of that grease off of there. Well, then when I was in junior high or middle school, as it is now, in high school, uh, we would go to Waldemere, which was a amusement park. And we would eat all kinds of junk food and lose it when we were riding rides and win more cheap prizes and eh, fall in love with somebody. And, you know, we need more stuff like this for our kids, you know, letting kids be kids. You know, I read about people my age talking about playing until the street lights came on. Well, I, I grew up in the country. We didn't have street lights, but we played until you couldn't see anymore. And then we'd play something different that you could play in the dark. Uh, you know, computers, iPads, cell phones, they're all really great, but they can't take the place of riding your bike for endless miles and using your imagination, building forts out of whatever you could find or take from your dad's garage, uh, playing in the haymow, but learning and taking responsibility. Cannot beat it. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for your word. And Lord, I just ask that you would be with us as we look into it, uh, into something that um, is not new to probably anybody that's listening. But Lord, help us to 
uh, listen to what you have to say. Just let your Holy Spirit work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me start out with a scripture. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work six days and do everything you need to. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to God, your God. Don't do any work. Not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your servant, nor your maid, nor your animals, not even the foreign guest visiting in your town. For in six days, God made heaven and earth, sea and the sea, and everything in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath day. He set it apart as a holy day. Okay, Exodus 20, 8 to 11. You probably heard it and read it before, but that was from the message, so it may have been new to you. But unfortunately, those verses don't mean a lot to a lot of people, even Christians. Now, being 73 years old, I easily remember when Sunday was a whole lot different. Just about every store, if not every store, was closed. It didn't make any difference if it was a little mom-and-pop grocery or if it was the Loblaws food change chain you know, everything was closed. Now, in Pennsylvania, the bars were closed all day. Now, in New York, they opened either at noon or one o'clock. And to me, not growing up in church, Sunday was just another day. I mean, we couldn't go to the store. You know, you couldn't, most of the restaurants were all closed and everything. Uh, but, you know, it was a day that we'd get upset if we couldn't go to the store if we wanted to or, you know, go out to eat someplace. Of course, back then, there weren't fast food places. But uh, now and for many years, it's been just another day to many people. Schools have sports and practices and events in the morning. Uh, when our two oldest boys were like in uh, fourth grade and sixth grade, uh, they were going to sign up for the the kids' wrestling program. And so we got up there and ready to start signing up. And all the practices were Sunday morning. And most of the the meets that they have were on Sunday morning. So I said, oh, forget it. We're not going. So now most stores are open um, all the time. Uh, a friend had a, a greenhouse and a landscape business and you know he was open seven days a week and there was another one not too far away that they were closed on Sunday and we thought well, that is really stupid you know why why are they closed on Sunday because you know my friend that was one of his busiest days well then we owned a Christian bookstore a little bit of heaven and we closed on Sundays and the it was in a mall, and the other stores in the mall couldn't understand why we would be closed on Sunday. Uh, I remember there was, I think it was called Family Christian Bookstores, and they were open on Sunday. And I think they've gone out of business. I'm not saying, wow, that's good, but it didn't seem like they should have been. Uh, now you go to Lowe's, Walmart, Target, they're busy on Sundays. You know, especially now in the spring of the year, Walmart, or not so much Walmart, but Lowe's and Home Depot and places like that, they're swamped. 
You know, Sunday is the second highest retail day that there is. Now, listen to what we're told in Nehemiah 10.31. Okay, Nehemiah is saying this. When neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or any holy day. So, if this was important in 430 B.C., it still should be important today. Well, the Ten Commandments was not the first time the Sabbath was mentioned. Okay, if you look a few pages earlier, go from some, or excuse me, Exodus 20 to Exodus 16, verse 3, the Israelites are whining again, and they say, Oh, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Wah, wah, wah. You know, Moses had to be getting really sick of hearing this already. And there's another 40 years to come. Well, God being tired of their whimpering, he hears them loud and clear. Verses 4 and 5 of Exodus 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. God's going to meet the needs of the people. Okay, he promised quail in the evening and manna, bread in the morning. So in the morning, they would wake up and there would be a dew on the ground. And when it was gone, there'd be these flakes like frost. And when the Israelites saw this, okay, this is uh, starting in verse 15. So when they saw it, they said to each other, what is it? Moses said to them, it's the bread the Lord's given you to eat. This is what the Lord commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, which is about three pounds, for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Okay, and you can't blame him. He said, you know, this is what you should do, and this is what you shouldn't do. And they say, oh, that's nice. We'll just go ahead and do what we feel like doing. Okay, then we're told this in verses, beginning in verse 21. Because each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, 
a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, and boil what you want to boil, save what is left, and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there won't be any. Did everyone listen to Moses? <laughs> really? I don't think so. Beginning in verse 27. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you the bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. <clears throat> Took them a while, but it finally sunk in what they were supposed to be doing. You know, and I think this really stressed the importance of the Sabbath day. That's why it became one of the Ten Commandments. Commandment, not one of the Ten Suggestions. So how are we doing? I was not a Christian when we first got married. And we had a small garden across the drive from the trailer we were living in. And one Sunday I went out and started weeding. And Diane came out and said, we don't need to do that today. And I didn't understand. You know, I had the day off and the weather was nice and the garden needed to be weeded. And she explained to me about the Sabbath. How I'd been living before, this made really no sense to me whatsoever. How were things going to get done? I had to work quite often on Sunday. Everyone else was doing it, so, you know, why shouldn't I be doing it? You know, people I worked with thought it was ridiculous. But when I looked around, not everyone was doing it. Diane's parents, they didn't work on Sunday. Diane's grandparents didn't work on Sunday. Her aunt didn't work on Sunday. The people from the church where we were going, you know, as far as we could see, they didn't work on Sunday. Yet, they were getting everything done that needed to be done. So, we observed the Sabbath. It wasn't easy for me. I still didn't totally understand but I understood a little bit more when one of the men from church told me that, you know, he used to do whatever needed to be done on Sunday, just like any other day. And it, he said things just seemed to go wrong all the time. You know, his tractor would get stuck or break down or, you know, whatever, and he'd just have all kinds of problems. And so finally he said, okay, Lord, you know, I'm not really getting anything accomplished on Sunday anyways, so I'm going to start using Sunday as a day of rest, observe the Sabbath. He said, you know what? I got more done during the week and on Saturdays than and it made up for what I thought I could get done on Sunday. So soon I gave my life to the Lord and things started to make sense. There's taking a day of rest makes sense? 
Not by the world standards, but we're not of the world. Well, the Lord gave many reminders to the Israelites throughout the Old Testament. This was done through several different prophets. In Jeremiah 17, beginning in verse 21, he says, This is what the Lord says. Be careful not to carry a load on the Sabbath day or bring it through the gates of Jerusalem. Do not bring a load out of your houses or do any work on the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your ancestors. Yet they did not listen or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and would not listen or respond to discipline. And it continues in verse 27, But if you do not obey me to keep the Sabbath day holy by not carrying any load as you come through the gate of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, I will kindle an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem that will consume her fortresses. Whoa, sounds like a good idea to listen to the Lord and to keep the Sabbath. Nehemiah, he gave the Israelites a warning in chapter 13, beginning, beginning in verse 15. It says, In those days I saw people of Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys, together with wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore, I warned them against selling food on that day. People from Tyre, who lived in Jerusalem, were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them, on, selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this wicked thing you're doing? desecrating the Sabbath day. Didn't your ancestors do the same thing so that our God brought this calamity on us and on this city? Now you are stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. Sound familiar? Few stores or restaurants are closed on Sunday. It's just another day, a day to make money. And that's what's important, is that bottom line, whenever, however, you can make it. So, what do we read about the Sabbath in the New Testament? Actually, there's quite a bit. So let's start with this, with Jesus. In Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 23, it says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and... As his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? <laughs> he said, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord 
even of the Sabbath. Whoa. So what does Jesus mean when he says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath? Is he giving us permission to ignore the Sabbath day? No. Some would like to interpret that way, but they are wrong. How can I be so sure? Listen to what Jesus said about this in Matthew chapter 5. Beginning in verse 17, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Or as the King James says, not one jot or tittle will pass from the law. Well, when will that be happening? As he says, it's not going to happen until heaven and earth disappear. Read the book of Revelation and you'll find out. So, in Mark 2, Jesus obviously is not abandoning the Sabbath. So, we were, read various times when Jesus was called out for healing on the Sabbath. Okay, one instance is in Luke 13, beginning in verse 10. It says, On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Well, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days of work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Now, you know, you could argue that the synagogue leader was right. You know, this woman had had this problem for 18 years and she hadn't been healed. You know, Jesus could have come back the next day and healed her. But this man was questioning God in what Jesus was doing. Okay, even though he didn't believe that, that's what he was doing. Well, this incident is not over. Okay, beginning in verse 15. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for eighteen long years, be set free on the Sabbath from what has bound her? When he said this, all the opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the things that he was doing. Can't you just hear Jesus and how he would say this? You know, he wouldn't say, Oh, you hypocrites, don't each of you on the Sabbath untie your donkey or your ox and lead it out to get water. No, I don't think so. I think he'd have been really belting it out, letting people know, you know, you are the ones that are wrong. So listen up and watch what's happening. Hebrews chapter 4 gives us some great insight 
concerning the Sabbath. In Hebrews 4, 1, it says, Therefore, since the promise of his of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Well, the writer goes on in verse 4 and says, For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from his work. Well, the writer stated what the writer stated or the way he said it reminds me, you know, of how I am, you know, because he says somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day. And that's kind of the way I am. You know, somewhere in the gospel it says this or, you know, I know Paul said this in one of his letters. And that's kind of what the writer of Hebrews is saying there. He isn't given book and chapter and verse. He's saying, you know, somewhere it says this. Well, then he follows up with verses 9 through 11. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God, God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. You know, the Sabbath is still in existence today. No matter how hard the world tries to destroy it, it's not just another day. Psalm 119 verse 11 tells us this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, we need to take that word out of hiding and we need to put it into practice. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word and how it's as true today as it was written hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And so, Father, help us to, to listen to what you have to say. Okay, like Jesus said, he didn't come to take away anything from the word, that he came to fulfill it. And so, Lord, we know that, um, that we still need to, to do what you tell us in your word. And Father, I know a lot of believers, including my kids, uh, that, you know, they do things on Sunday that they never saw their parents doing on Sunday. And, you know, they're adults and that's their choice. Uh, but Lord, I, I know that um, many believers uh, really just look at Sunday as another day as well, just like the world. So Father, I pray that you'll convict people that you'll convict those that, that say they believe and believe your word and you'll put a burden on their hearts and that they will find that, you know, they can accomplish all they need to accomplish in six days. And Lord, I, I lift up anybody that may be listening that, that doesn't know you, doesn't have a relationship with you, that they've never made a commitment to you. They maybe heard your word, maybe read the Bible cover to cover and and all, but still don't believe. Lord, I pray that you'll put a burden on them right now and that, Lord, you will call them because your word tells us somewhere that, you know, no one comes to you except you call them. And so, Lord, I pray that today will be the time that you call that person and that, Lord, that they'll know that you are what they need in their lives. So, Father, let them pray just like this. Dear Heavenly Father, 
I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. Please forgive me for all my sins, all my sins that Jesus took to the cross. Father, help me to be the person that you need me to be, more loving, more forgiving, and more believing. In Jesus' name, amen.